0: What exactly is animal law? What rights, if any, do animals have? And uh, how does a very bright, very, very energetic uh, attorney emerge from law school and establish an animal law office dedicated solely to protecting animals and those who work on their behalf. Uh, Joining us on the line is Christine Garcia. She's the lead counsel for the San Francisco-based Animal Law Office. And uh, she graduated from the University of California at Berkeley in 1996 With a bachelor's degree in history, she attended Loyola University uh, of Chicago for the first two years of law school and finished up at UC Hastings Law School. She's clerked for a number of judges and uh, decided that she wanted to devote a law practice to the defense of animals. And that brings us to the uh, Animal Law Office, and here to talk about it is Christine Garcia. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for uh, for joining us. Sorry about uh, about the car. It was a bad battery.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought that the battery was replaced, but apparently it wasn't, so I had to get it jumped.
0: Well, that's always one <laughs> of my fears, because I, uh, I'm afraid that a tire's going to blow, and I'm actually going to have to call... A tow truck, and they're going to laugh at me that I don't know how to change a spare tire. So oh, I, no. <laughs> I sympathize. But uh, getting more to the, the topic at hand, uh, I appreciate you being with us given the, the situation. Uh, what exactly is animal law, and how does one come about creating an entire legal practice devoted to such a topic?
1: Great question. Uh, animal law is any type of law that impacts the rights or the welfare of animals. So the type of law that I practice is proactively for animals. There are some animal attorneys out there who, dog, who do dog bite cases, in other words, sue people with animals. I always defend animals and are on the side of animals, so I'd be on the defense side of that dog. Um, so basically it's any type of legislation drafting, a lawsuit, for example, representing animal rights activists, any type of suit suing an organization that exploits animals, whether it's a factory farm suing them under Clean Water Act, or a Petco for negligence. Um,
0: well, let's of, go, uh, ahead. go ahead.
1: No, you, you, go, you go. Well, on.
0: let's let's explore that for a minute. Uh, you know, it's we hear a lot about animal rights, and uh, you know, some some people might question, well, do animals have rights, and and if so, you know, if so, why? I, uh, you know, I teach a course in, in law and society, and uh, we often talk about how you know, individuals come together to protect their interests. So without getting you know, too much in a historical background, where did animal rights emerge, and, and exactly what rights do animals have?
1: Well, I guess philosophically. <laughs> I know you said without getting Well, without you Well, know, I
0: mean, we, we don't need um, to go back to uh, medieval times is what I'm saying.
1: Right, right, and then you've got philosophers like Peter Singer right. writing books on animal liberation. There, and to answer your direct question, do animals have any rights? Not necessarily, and especially in court in this country, they don't have any standing at all. So when I go and I sue somebody or defend um, people, we need to use law, case law, like civil rights, in 1983 civil suits, um, civil rights suits. I use property law. I use contracts law, torts, negligence, um, trespass to chattel, conversion. So I use a lot of case law that normally has to do with property in order to get rewards for the loss of animals.
0: So you have to do a lot of, I don't want to say creative arguing, but you have to borrow from a whole host of other areas of law.
1: Certainly, certainly
0: and uh, most listeners of this program are probably uh familiar with peter singer's uh peter singer's arguments with animal liberation in fact he was uh, on kuci uh we have a program that follows this one called the politics of food and uh, he was on about a month ago but could you just quickly you know claim or restate peter singer's argument about uh the defense of animals particularly in his book animal liberation
1: well I guess generally he touches on speciesism, and in the nutshell, it's that every life form has the right to be free from from pain and torture, generally, um, regardless of what species you are. So humans as well as dogs, cats, elephants, they're not to be used or exploited for any other purpose, um, just because we believe that we're the species that should be dominant over them
0: yeah and i think he's got uh, a quote um where he says the question isn't can they think or are they smart but can they suffer and he right. gives a good example of we would never intentionally uh, inflict pain on uh, a small child who hasn't yet developed cognitive skills and we wouldn't inflict pain on you know someone with uh, a, a severe case of, of mental a severe form of mental retardation. Because we recognize inherently that these these beings are are capable of uh, suffering, and so the question isn't are they smart, but can they suffer? And as you pointed out, all forms of species suffer. Does that sound like a:
1: certainly okay. yeah, actually, it's pretty much in the nutshell, and actually somewhat similar to the theory that I was trying to bring um, to that justice association teach-in that we went to.
0: Yes. And uh, I want to remind listeners, they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is 88.9 FM, uh, Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Christine Garcia from the Animal Law Office. Um, and, you know, it, it's also interesting. You were talking about borrowing from from uh, civil rights legislation. I think one of the interesting things, uh, you know, primarily point, uh, pointed out by the book, The Sexual Politics of Meat, is how um, – you know, one could see parallels in animal rights movements with civil rights or particularly the feminist movement. Could you, com- could you comment on that a bit?
1: Definitely. In fact, Steve Best, he coined the term the Green Scare, I think, in his last, uh, I don't know if it's his last book or the second-to-last book. It's called uh, Terrorists or Freedom Fighters, and he discusses this Green Scare and compares it to the Red Scare you know, back in the 50s. Um, because many animal activists today and now are being targeted and framed as terrorists, being questioned at grand juries. For example, here in San Francisco, about a dozen people, over a dozen people have been subpoenaed to appear before a grand jury, and they're being questioned, and they're saying, okay, you don't have the Fifth Amendment anymore, which most people do when they're on trial, whether it's criminal, civil, or they're stopped on the street. But at a grand jury... They just do open questioning. And the questions are very similar to that of the Red Scare there. Are you a vegan? Do you believe that animals shouldn't be exploited? Do you support the ALF? Um,
0: Which is the Animal Liberation Front. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So uh, they're being targeted like other, I guess, other political movements, whether it was communism. The comparisons you were... Referring to with slavery, that all, that's also um, one example as well as what happened in Nazi Germany. I know many people get offended because they don't want to care, um, compare the life form of a human with that of an animal. But I think the comparison is there because something grossly wrong was occurring, and society supported that back in, in slavery times. People didn't question whether or not it was wrong. They just truly believed these people were inferior, therefore we could dominate them and treat them poorly, separate them, not give them the same rights that other human beings have. Same with Nazi Germany. They've decided and labeled a group of people as being lesser than, less worthy than, and then based upon that decision they, you know, sent them to death camps, you know, made lamps out of them, et cetera, et cetera
0: right and and then of course with uh with the the women's movement again i believe uh, peter singer's book animal liberation begins with uh you know a a discussion of uh, i think it's mary Wollstonecraft talking about animal uh, talking about uh, women's rights and being mocked by uh, by men saying well what's next you know animal rights the idea that women were treated as as cattle and yet we we now recognize that women have rights and that there are uh we're slow in recognizing the sins of the past, but uh, I think you, you draw some interesting parallels. Well, let's ask the question that everyone's probably curious of, and I'm sure you, you might have had to deal with this in terms of you know, family and friends. How does someone emerge from, uh, from Hastings Law School, certainly respectable law school, as well as Loyola University in Chicago, and specialize in, uh, in animal law and animal rights? Do they even offer courses in, in this area of law?
1: Actually, when I was graduating in 1999, that was the first course um, that came out. It was in the spring of 99. And who was it? Eric St. Pierre. He was the animal activist and now an attorney who began the course at Hastings. And unfortunately, I'd already filled the schedule before I, I knew it was there. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, God, I wish I would have taken that course. But it's a very funny story, but I'll try to put it in a nutshell, but it was basically because of my driving record. I kept getting speeding tickets. and um, I had already had um, at least some law school behind me. and I went in front of the judge and it was my second over hundred speeding ticket that year and um, 100 the-
0: miles an hour or $100 dollars.
1: What's over 100 um, miles per hour?
0: Wow, okay.
1: (laughs) It was a rental. I didn't feel like I was going that fast.
0: No wonder your batteries die.
1: (laughs) The point is, this judge in Hayward, he said, you don't just get to have um, the extremely uh, level three serious offender traffic school and the fine. You must do 80 hours community service. And I said, that's fine, Your Honor. You know, I work with kids and blah, blah, blah. And he said, no, you need to work with the lowest of the low. You must work with animals. And he ordered me to the San Francisco Animal Care and Control to do 80 hours of community service. Little did he know, I absolutely loved animals, and it was a pleasure (laughs) to get that. But that's really where it happened. I was at the shelter and exposed to just atrocious I, I would see dogs coming in with their jaws hanging, dangling from a dog fight, and their ears bitten off, portions of their neck still open. And I, I would see cases come in where they knew precisely where the, where the person came from. They had witnesses. They'd have treadmills. Other bloodied dogs. It was easy cases, 597 Penal Code, and which is the animal cruelty statute here in California. Um, and also dog fighting, and I was shocked that the district attorney would not touch such a case. Um, the case was Mohammed Suleiman. That was my inspiration, actually, because I was so outraged and had enough of a legal background at that point to know that this was an easy case. I knew the burdens of proof. I knew evidence. I was, I was just shocked that nothing was happening. Um, and that's it. I started getting involved with animal. Um, welfare Commission I'd started walking in there and saying oh my god, and what's happening with the live animal markets? And and what's going on here with this issue? You know, you guys haven't done anything about 597 cases for how many years? Why don't you have a, a DA on this? Why aren't you prosecuting this? I started being loud and it's funny because um, I've been applying for this commission telling them they need to do something. I finally was appointed after my sixth year of trying to be appointed <laughs> this um, only this past couple of months it'll be my second meeting today
0: Wow so I'm gushing because I find this just I mean I mean I'm in awe of your your dedication and commitment um, certainly coming out of law school one probably has a, a lot of debt you know right. maybe not but with my seven years of grad school I know that uh, home ownership is a is a dream that I will have to put off for quite some time. <laughs> How I mean it seems that a lot of a lot of your clients probably have, have four legs and don't really have a, a checking account. Um, so to set up well, I guess let's back up. So do you sometimes work with the, the county or, or the city? Um, and, and then other times you have you have private clients and if so, are the your clients are often four legged furry creatures. So how does it work?
1: Right. Well, that's a great question. Um, Just to let you know, I still haven't paid off (laughs) all of my law school debt. I have a substantial majority still left. Um, In the beginning, it was difficult like any other business. You fund a lot yourself, and you learn a lot because when you're practicing what your passion is, you end up taking a lot of cases that are outstanding but don't necessarily pay. I still, to this day, do um, animal activist defense for free because the vegans that are out there, and I make—I su- basically make sure that they're vegans. That's their—that's how they pay, <laughs> just by maintaining their activism, and maintaining their veganism. I think that's worth a lot more than money, um, just the impact that when one individual can have on the world and their diet. But also, um, I end up taking cases that people come up to me and they say, "Oh." this happened to my dog, this happened to my cat, um, we'll pay you to sue them.
0: Could you, could you give a couple examples? I know that you have a, a, a few posted to your website, which we should point out is animalattorney.com, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. could you give a couple right. examples of when someone might actually you know, be able to hire you and you could actually try to pay back those loans?
1: Right. Well, this one woman came up to me because her neighbor had maliciously taken her two cats and killed them. Um, because he was mad at her for, like, I don't know, something about a tree on their property line. So he did it just out of vengefulness. And these were her cats that she had had for six years. It was very depressing. So I would bring a lawsuit. These are the types of suits I would bring, even though I wouldn't primarily be interested in, in... an animal that's already deceased, I thought it would be helpful to promote animal law, for example, push new causes of actions like loss of companionship and emotional damages, distress, or emotional damages for the loss of animals. So I'd bring that type of case, and she would pay me. Um, also, the vicious dangerous dog hearings are, I want to say, the tofu and potatoes of an animal law practice because you get calls at least once a week at least Um, the animal care and control took my animal, he's in jail, they're going to kill him, please help me. They're going to designate him vicious, he's a puppy, he didn't do anything. So that's also another way to um, maintain your lifestyle and pay bills is those, um, if anybody wants to be an animal attorney, that will certainly sustain you, and there's an overabundance number of those because people get very upset and offended when a dog pulls on a leash or lunges, they call up animal control, And the way the law works for animals is we'll kill them unless you fight for it. It's not like due process for humans where first they have to show probable cause, then they have a trial, and then it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Then maybe we'll take your life. For dogs, it's like we'll we'll kill you. This is your notice. (laughs) They're done. (laughs) If you have a problem with that, then you could call us. So they do that based upon testimony, sometimes just a phone call from a person that just doesn't like their neighbor's dog.
0: We're speaking with Christine Garcia. She is lead counsel for the Animal Law Office uh, based in San Francisco. Uh, you also uh, defend, as you, you mentioned, uh, animal rights activists. Can you talk about some, you know, maybe a typical case that you would, uh, you would handle?
1: Well, the most typical ongoing client that I have, um, and who knows how much more ongoing it'll be, is Stop Huntington Animal Cruelty. They used to have a website at shockamerica.net. You might be able to find it in the Wayback Machine, um, if that's that website where you can go back in history. But they were sued. They're an animal rights organization that had a website, and it's very similar to that of Megan's Law, you know how Megan's Law—you can go and find your local child uh, molester. Mm-hmm. This website had your local vivisector, and um, it was free speech across the board. But anytime anything would happen in the Bay Area, I think I did at least seven lawsuits defending these this group. Um, anything, anytime, any vandalism would happen in the area, they would sue them right away, and I'd go in and defend on free speech. Um, and it was very offensive because you know that people wouldn't have a problem with it if they drove out child molesters, but because they're upsetting vivisectors, that's a problem. Sure. <laughs> uh, that means that free speech was inciting. And actually, I'm going to be arguing on the 25th of this month in the Court of Appeal um, to defend an anti-slap motion I brought and was granted because um, Judge Beckton Smith Throughout the case, she said, this is ridiculous. Um, this is a strategic litigation against public participation. I won, and then, of course, they appealed, and I need to defend that. And So that will be pretty neat if we win, because then these vivisectors, a valent corporation in this case, will be pained to have to actually pay attorney's fees for both the slap suit and the appeal. and God, that would be horrible for them. <laughs> I could imagine sure painful after they sued our client, but um
0: now how another obvious question is how does an animal law attorney generate uh i don't want to say generate business because that would suggest that we need to generate the the suffering of animals but uh how does one advertise promote or or outreach how does one build a clientele i mean it's such a unique um area of law do you do you handle divorces and things of that as well, or are you exclusively
1: animal law well i 'm doing exclusively animal law, and it 's interesting because i didn 't have to do anything to promote myself I, I put up a website. But mainly um, the problems already came to me. They knew, oh, there's this girl in law school, she's an animal sympathist, maybe she could help us with our 501c3. So I'd help, you know, set up those things for corporations that were just going to be for animal welfare. Um, The activists knew me since, since I also, you know, am an activist as well. So when they got in trouble, you know, they knew exactly... Like who could help? So, and also the animal rights community already knew me. In Defense of Animals, um, they found me at the animal shelter, and Er Elliot Katz, the president, came in. He said, "We really need an animal attorney over here. So, can you call and help answer phones on these animal law issues?" And um, and and
0: this person was—I'm sorry—could you? Who is that?
1: That was Elliot Katz from In Defense of Animals. Got it. Okay. He's the president there up in. Now it's in Santa Rosa. They moved from Mill Valley. But um, just, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how. I, I guess, like, there aren't that many. So um, I would go to these conferences. Now, I, I've, I guess since 19, or 2003, I've been giving speeches in different animal rights forums. And just recently, as you know, I've started reaching out. I've mostly been invited to animal rights and environmental rights conferences to speak. And um, I've recently been going to different conferences outside of those two, what I call speaking to the choir group. Yes. Um, For example, I'm going to Illinois to the food packaging and processing conference. And, of course, there I'm going to be talking about the new trend of veganism. Um, a need to know for marketers. So I'm trying to frame my speeches in something exciting, a way to sell goods, products, um, for people that are just concerned about making a profit for food pack- packaging. So,
0: Well, we're just about out of time, but I want to give you an opportunity to act as uh, an advocate in a non-legal forum and to act as an activist. For people listening wanting to know you know maybe veganism is a little too extreme for them at this point they're they're concerned about animals they've been thinking about you know what they could do. What do you recommend to people who uh, whose curiosity you've piqued whose sympathy you've gained um, how do you start them on a path toward um, improving the welfare of animals?
1: Wow, oh, wow, I understand veganism is an all for all but maybe just purchasing like tip for the week purchase um cruelty-free products, Um, toothpaste. That's a simple thing you can do to make a difference in not contributing toward an industry that tests on animals. Don't buy fur. Instead of buying the leather shoes, see if there's pleather sandals that are cute. Um, So little things like that. And certainly, even if you're not vegan, one day a week of having a vegetarian meal even makes a difference. So it doesn't have to be um, your efforts in a little way, won't go into nothing, because if if everybody just did one little thing, such as buying shampoo, um, like I said, toothpaste, detergent that's eco-friendly, that makes a difference.
0: So. You know, and it's interesting, because I like to say that I'm about 85% vegan. I mean, and my house is strictly vegan, and I'm fortunate to live uh, across the street from about two vegan uh market slash restaurants so I'm able to get you know the hair products as you said and and toothpaste and and things of that nature there are also a whole host of websites whether it's mooshoes.com or um alternative outfitters I'm wearing vegan sneakers right now so for for listeners out there I'll just echo Christine's sentiments it isn't impossible to do if you take one step at a time you could pretty much find that your lifestyle fits nicely around these alternatives, and you kind of feel good doing it. Definitely. And I should also point out that um, since a lot of your cases are pro bono, and a lot of your clients are uh, four legged or winged or or whiskered or what have you, um, that your law office is it a um, it, it's not a five hundred one c three, but you certainly uh, can use any. Uh, donations should people want to make a contribution to the defense of animals is that correct
1: yeah sure thank you
0: <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know should people want to help out because that's what we have to say when we're non-corporate uh, you know public radio should people want to help out whether it's uh, volunteering whether it's getting more information whether it's um, making a donation of uh, any kind monetary or or office supplies or whatnot where can people go? What could people do?
1: They could go to the website, animalattorney.com, and there's a Get Involved button, and that has all of those things that you mentioned. If you want to volunteer, from I have people out of state volunteering, doing research or um, donating things um, like blankets and chew toys.
0: <laughs> um, for the animals, not for you. For the, right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, More donations. It's
0: in the the Get Involved section. And again, it is uh, animalattorney.com, so definitely check it out. It's the Animal Law Office in San Francisco off of uh, 18th Street. I have no clue where that is, but that's okay. Um, Christine Garcia, thank you so much for being with us this morning, and we'll have to have you back on sometime real soon.
1: Well, thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: And good luck to you.
1: I enjoyed your show. Bye.
0: Take care. And uh, there you have it, really, really fun, fun person. I'm so glad I had an opportunity to meet her, and I think she's doing great work. So check it out. It's the Animal Law Office at animalattorney.com. Stick around, Politics of Food coming up in about cinco minutos, por favor, about five minutes. So stick around. This is KUCI's Justice or Just Us wishing you peace.